1: Hi, I'm Danielle Pletka. And I'm Mark Thiessen. Welcome to our podcast, What the Hell is Going On? Mark, what has Donald Trump done now?
0: Well, what the hell is going on, which is the question you usually ask me, is it's your birthday, Danny.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. Today is my actual birthday, <laughs> Today June Today is your actual birthday. How old are you, Danny? I'm 60. Thank you, you Mark.
0: You are 60 years young, right?
1: There, no, I won't. <laughs> if you ever catch me saying that, you can come over and slap me. I am yeah. not 60 years young. I'm 60 years old. Well, but I want I'm to slap you every on. podcast, so there you go. <laughs> Thanks a ton. And vice versa. Uh, If only I could reach over there but we do have something serious to talk more serious than my something my impending more important senility. is going on in the country than your birthday well only slightly yes. but
0: well, go what what is happening is that the the former president of the United States Donald J Trump uh, has been indicted it is as our guest John U. points out the first time that a president former president has been charged with federal crimes and the first time that an executive branch has uh, held by the incumbent party has indicted the leading presidential candidate of another political party this is you know there, there's two parts of this that I want to discuss one is the law itself and then the other is the politics but as I th- the truth is you can't separate them right yeah. Yeah, I mean we should be able to look at it and say okay what's the law? Clear cut. Here it is. And and then the politics is sort of we're supposed to put that aside in our justice system and all the rest of it. But our justice system has been so politicized and it's all wrapped up in this, you know, it's like a it's like a cancerous tumor that's, you know, surrounding an organ, uh, you know, at that and you can't separate it.
1: Well, you, you can't. It's funny, you know. I I was thinking back as we were talking to to our guest about one of the times we had him on when we were talking about impeachment, and he had said at the time that when the founders wrote the Constitution, they thought to themselves that. Impeachment as a process would almost never be used because the dishonor of the prospect of being impeached <laughs> would be so would be so damning that whoever that person Exactly that whoever that person was would simply step down. Yeah. That's not a thing anymore. Honor is not a thing. Apparently, integrity is not a thing. And now following the law is not a thing. And protecting classified information is not a thing. Right. There's a ton of whataboutism that's going on. You know, what about Hunter Biden? What about Hillary? You know, none of that is exonerating. Yes, maybe they all should have been prosecuted. Maybe they all should be prosecuted still today. But that doesn't mean that Donald Trump is innocent.
0: So but here's the thing, Danny, none of it, I agree with you that none of it is exonerating. But it's all relevant. And it's all part of the part of the picture, because this is going to get judged. It will get judged by a jury in Miami when once it goes to trial. But it's, it's going to be judged by the jury of the American people in the court of public opinion, because this is going to affect the presidential election. Two things can be true. I say this when we during our interview and uh, and I've said it on on Fox and other places. Two things can be true at the same time, which is that Donald Trump committed crimes here that he had mishandled classified information, he obstructed the the recovery of classified information, he did many of the things that are in that indictment, and also that he is the subject of selective justice and a politicized uh, justice system that has been weaponized against him.
1: Listen, you're not going to get any argument about me, and you don't need well, to. We, just did, po- need to we do... just did
0: a podcast together on the Durham report, and you were talking about your comment on that was, well, if the FBI can do this to him, then they can then do, they it, can to do me. it to me. Then they can do, do it, it to anybody.
1: anybody. And I think there's there's... There's no question, but I think you I think just to make the contrary point and cite you, just as yes. you cited me against yes. myself, you he rightly gets- say, having gone through this, having been subject to an investigation, having been part of a process that put him through the ringer, was it really worth it to keep these classified documents? I mean I, I, you and you so- said it rightly, they ask for it and you say. Oh, sorry. I made a mistake. Grab it out of the toilet where you were hiding it. Oh my god. Literally. Literally. <laughs> and 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 give it to them or better still, just say, "Oh, no. I'm a, I'm I'm disorganized. Come over, come over and find it and take it." But no. Lie. Obfuscated, obfuscated again, then lied and then worse yet, tried to get his own lawyer to take some of the documents and hide them. What is wrong with that man?
0: I mean, his own worst enemy. I mean, absolutely his own worst enemy. You would think after having gone through the whole Mueller probe, and what it was a conspiracy theory. It was. It was the most shameful. The Mueller probe and the whole crossfire hurricane was the most shameful episode of a political takedown uh, that, uh, that we've ever had in this country. Shameful. And the, and the Durham report is a damning indictment of the FBI. And he has a very big section in that in that Durham report. People should go back and read it about the disparate treatment of Hillary Clinton and Trump in those things. But after having gone through that and knowing that that the justice system is being weaponized against you and they're looking for any pretext to go after you. His first action after that was to call Zelensky and to ask him to investigate Hunter Biden and give the Democrats a pretext for something else to impeach him. For. Not just ask and, him to
1: Im- but but threaten to withhold assistance if he didn't.
0: Well, that's not exactly clear. But look, the, <laughs> <laughs> that's not quite how it happened and it's and and I thought and I said at the time I thought that pro- that, that impeachment unlike the fir- on the second impeachment, the first impeachment was was Politically motivated and and a disgrace. But you've gone through that. Then you go through the uh, the impeachment process. You know that they're that they're going after you. Why would you give them the pretext to do this? Why on in earth? order
1: to hang on to documents that he probably According would never to, look at to again? Hang on in his the life. war
0: plans for Iran. Yeah. whatever. I mean and sh- who you which you showed to to a reporter in the room. You know, came in to sit with you. I mean, literally and. Oh, I I've got these warplanes. Isn't,
1: isn't there something just mentally wrong with him that he would do that? I mean, yeah. how how can you how can you do that?
0: Yeah, I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not qualified to diagnose narcissistic uh, compulsive personality, disorder, personality, yeah. personality disorder, or whatever. I can't even say what it is, so obviously I'm not qualified to do it. So <laughs> I just don't know whether that's the case. I just know it's reckless, um, and he's he keeps giving them a pretext to go after him. But it is true. It's, we can't ignore the 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 context of all this. Right. This comes in the context of the Russia collusion hoax. It comes in the context of Hillary Clinton, who mm-hmm. bleach bit her server and el- del- del- deleted thirty thousand emails and had her aides smash cell phones to cover up evidence. It and comes is, and in the is context still
1: to this day lionized and and still goes out after Party. this all
0: happens and says, but my emails. You know, yeah, your emails. You, you, and by the way, unlike Donald Trump. Hillary Clinton's emails were compromised by foreign governments and foreign intelligence services. We know that because the Justice Department inspector general found that the emails with classified information were compromised by foreign foreign adversaries. She doesn't get prosecuted. Joe Biden, who didn't have as a former he wasn't a former president, didn't have declassification authority, had documents. I I went through that first beginning of that of that indictment and just read it. And you could go through the first dozen pages and most of it applies to Joe Biden. You know, it was in the he held he had documents he didn't have a right to have. Well, so did Joe Biden. He had them in a place where there were public events happening and could have been accessed by foreign actors. What is the Penn Biden Center? Joe Biden said, well, my Delaware garage was locked. You know, oh, great. And it's just you and I worked in the Senate together. Yeah, I'm sorry. There is no way to accidentally take a classified document off of Capitol Hill and take it home as a senator. It is pretty damn hard. Jesse Helms was the chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee. He didn't have a skiff in his office, no. you know, and Joe Biden didn't either when he was the Senate Foreign Relations Committee chairman. How do you get those documents and take them home by accident? Yeah. That's, you know, so he he did things that are terrible. You've got that. You've got it in the context of the Bragg indictment, which was everybody whose re- reasonable lawyer says that was absolutely politically motivated. And so what Republicans are going to look at this and they're going to say, this is just more going after Trump. We got to rally around him because they're going after him and they don't care well, about the distinctions of it this time it's re- him. this time it's really he really did it this time.
1: <laughs> you know, they don't care. I think you're right. So let's talk for a second about the politics part of this because i I do think. That while I think this is a righteous prosecution, I think this is absent everything else. And you're right, you have to have it in context. But if you just read it by itself, you don't say to yourself, ooh, this is, you know, this is like the Russia hoax. This is not like the Russia hoax. And I don't understand why Donald Trump keeps calling it the boxes hoax, because, dude, those were in your house. And they had classified information. And they had classified (laughs) (laughs) information. There was no, there's no hoax there. Right. So that to me is weird. And I've said this before on the podcast. Maybe we can't elevate it to the level of a conspiracy, but certainly a compact between the Biden administration and every element of that, including the Department of Justice and the mainstream media right, and the Democratic Party, of which Biden is the head, to elevate Trump above all things, to put him on the front page every day. Who are we not talking about today? We're not talking about Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. What are we not talking about today? We're not talking about inflation. What else are we not talking about? We're not talking about crime. What else are we not talking about? We're not talking about immigration. We, we, I could keep going on here. We're not talking about any of the things that we should be talking about in the year before a presidential because we're talking about Donald Trump. And that serves one agenda. And yep. that is the Democratic Party agenda to have Trump be the candidate of the Republican Party as they go into 2024.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, this is going to create a rallying effect inside the Republican Party. So if you look at it, I've, there have now been two CBS News polls that have borne this out. This is they, they actually drill down into the Republican electorate and they ask him a question. Who, which candidates are you looking at? Right. And so a quarter of the Republican electorate says, I'm only looking at Trump. He's my only candidate. A quarter of the electorate says, I'm not considering Trump under any circumstances. And then 50% of the Republican electorate says, I'm looking at Trump, but I'm looking at the other candidates, too, and I'm deciding. Right. Right. And so... There's How separable are those people from Trump? I don't know. What I do know is that Trump has 80 percent approval in the Republican Party. They don't hate him. They don't think he was he was actually, in many ways, a very good president when you have the mute button on. We've talked about this, about the actual record. And he has great approval among the Republican Party. That 50 percent that has to be separated from him in order for somebody else to get the nomination, when this kind of stuff happens, rally around the president. The, the message is we can't abandon him when he's being attacked by the deep state and they're going after him again and we have to rally around him so it makes it more likely that he's going to get the nomination and friends i got to tell you everybody said he couldn't win in 2016. you know i'm i I mean i think he's the candidate most likely to lose to joe biden because joe biden is an actual disaster in office but the reality is that anything could happen joe biden could have a stroke (laughs) You know, Kamala Harris could suddenly be the nominee. There could be some internal fight and we get some even, you know, something. Who Or Joe Biden could not get have a stroke. Okay, just, you've got to stop. You know, you're just
1: depressing me too much. But
0: I mean, Shut he up. could decline <laughs> as, as much in the next 18 months as he has of the last 18 months oh, yeah. and, and look like he can't even do the job by the by the time the election comes around. And Donald Trump could win. And, you know, this is this is the risk you're taking with with our country. If you really don't want Donald Trump to be the president of the United
1: States, not a smart move. To do this. Well, of course, they, they. the answer is they don't care about the country. They care about power. They care about the well, there, politics. There we agree. There we agree 100%, as I suspect does our guest, who everybody knows because he's been on with us before, but also all over TV and almost all over the, the, the various newspapers for which he writes and he's just a wonderful guy. John Yu is a former clerk for Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. He's the Emanuel Heller Professor of Law at the University of California, Berkeley School of Law and he is a scholar at yes, the American Enterprise Institute and also at the Hoover Institution. He's on both coasts. His most recent book is "Defender in Chief: Trump's Fight for Presidential Power." And
0: former head of the Office of uh, Legal Counsel in this in the Justice Department, right? A senior Justice Department official who knows how this, his decisions get made inside the Justice Department,
1: right? Knows it up and down.
0: Here's our her interview. Well, John, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, guys. I want to embarrass
2: Danny. Oh, can I embarrass God. Danny? Yes. Happy I can. birthday, Danny. Happy birthday. Oh, yeah. Thank you <laughs> so
1: nobody, much.
2: Nobody knew. Nobody knew, but happy birthday.
1: Oh, thank you very much. Well, you know, at my age, at my age we try to conceal what our. What is health. your age, Danny? <sighs> 60.
2: It's oh. <laughs> actually a big deal. It's a big deal. I hope your husband and kids treated you right and. Uh, everyone at AEI should pause and uh, appreciate you know you, you know, I mean people don't know I better listen to the podcast but if it weren't for you there would have been no iraqi surge and if there was no Iraqi surge we would have been up well whatever's creek back in the day.
1: There so, you go. We and all
2: owe it, you a great great thanks.
1: Well, you know, me and, and Fred Kagan and yeah. Dave Petraeus and, you the, guy, and the guys no. who actually fought. But yes! Yes.
0: Even, yeah, even no, a blind I'm squirrel serious. gets an acorn once in a while. Hey,
1: <laughs> oh,
2: my, hey man! The, woman, the, woman's turning, the woman's turning 60 and that's what you say to her? Yes, that the, is
0: what I say to her. Right, the oh, man. Of the my nagging life. gets worse oh, the older you get. Oh, my God. No, and, me, and, and you know why it gets worse? Because I, I'm getting old myself and I'm forgetting the last nag I'm saying them over and over I, again. I'm just
2: I'm just saying I I I, I feel bad for Mrs. Teason. she doesn't have a lot to look forward to here.
1: Exactly. Poor Pam.
2: Oh well she's
0: much younger than Danny. <laughs> oh, oh man. Oh my god. Cold.
1: So cool. Cold. Oh, well, thank god. you. I love you and thank you for saying that.
0: And you love me too? No. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, John, let's talk about lighter things. The president of the United States, former president, has been indicted. <laughs> I know. My oh my God. gosh. So you wrote in. Uh, in you wrote an article in in Bloomberg, and you said that the Biden administration crossed a constitutional rubicon this week. Federal prosecutors have charged a former president, and the executive branch held by an incumbent political party has indicted the leading presidential candidate of the other main political party. I mean, talk to us a little bit about just that Rubicon and why this is such a stunning development.
2: Yeah, by Rubicon, I mean it's like Julius Caesar crossing the famous river that separated the provinces from Italy, right? And the, we needed we need, need to say here was a bright line that no one had ever crossed before. And when you cross it, you are breaking some institutional value that we've had for a long time. There's nothing in the Constitution that says a president is— immune from being prosecuted in the future. And as I mentioned in the piece, Alexander Hamilton when he talks about impeachment says impeachment's just about removing a president from office and then you can prosecute him. So it's something that's clearly anticipated in the founding, but yet we've never done it. We've had some good presidents, we've had some really bad presidents, but we never prosecuted any of them. We didn't prosecute Nixon. Didn't prosecute Clinton. Didn't prosecute LBJ. You could go on down the list of people who right? you know might have been in trouble with the law.
0: <laughs> you know, we didn't prosecute. Uh, I believe in your piece, you know, we didn't prosecute Jefferson Davis.
2: Yeah, we didn't prosecute
0: Jefferson Davis. He was and he actually wasn't insurrectionist.
2: Yeah. Yeah, he was the president of the Confederacy. So the question is why? And the reason why, and I think the three of us, I think probably agree with this, is that presidents have to make the hardest decisions in the country. They have to make really difficult foreign policy national security decisions. Maybe no one else can. Do we want them to be worrying about, is the next government going to prosecute me? Is somebody going to sue me? We don't want them thinking about their personal legal vulnerabilities when they try to make the best decision for us as a country. So my claim is that because of that, we have left former presidents basically alone because we want to create the right incentives for presidents in the future. So if you're going to go after a former president, it better be for something really important. I've been saying, if President Trump was involved with January 6th, if there's proof of that, that's something you might prosecute him for. But something like classified document retention and monkeying around with FBI investigators, I'm not sure that's worth it to cross this bright line that was there to protect the institution of the presidency.
1: Look, I think that no matter what, there's a robust debate that should be had about this. And, uh, you know, there are people who are as conservative as I think we all are, who think that, in fact, Jack Smith, the special prosecutor, had no choice here. I guess one of the, the interesting and I think important distinctions is that the crimes that are that he was indicted for, and he hasn't obviously been convicted of anything. But the crimes that, that President Trump was indicted for were crimes that weren't committed in the course of policymaking. They weren't decisions that he made as president. It, this is perhaps the, the criminalization of politics, but in a different way, in the sense that this, these were all decisions that Trump made after he left office. Do you think that that matters?
2: So that's a great point, Danny, because uh, you're right. A lot of what Trump did here was after he left office, some of it was while he was president, which was taking the documents, allegedly taking the documents in the first place. The second Rubicon we crossed was actually prosecuting the major party candidate for the other side. that's That's more of the political element that you're talking about, Danny that's a little different actually right than the institutional concerns of the president and gets more into are we uh, using law enforcement here to interfere in elections why not wait until the election is over or why not if trump should win why not wait till after trump's president but the fact that you're bringing this case now guarantees that it's going to affect the 2024 presidential elections that i think is a uh, that, that's a I, to, me, that, I, I, to me, that's a, a gamble, a risk that the Justice Department is running. Because think about this way. Think about the reverse. Everyone's thinking about, oh, what if Trump gets convicted? How does that work? But think about the opposite. Suppose Trump gets acquitted. I think if he gets acquitted, the Justice Department will have single-handedly handed the presidency to Donald Trump. Think about incredible risk that is. That's why I think the better thing would be not to prosecute him at all during the pendency of this campaign, when he's already the leading candidate, and the right, the party, the, the part outside parties, looks like he's going to be the winner. Although you know we've got seven months or so before the caucuses.
0: Let me ask you a two part question because you know some people that we both respect a great deal, like Andy McCarthy, Jonathan Turley, Bill Barr, have all said that basically this is a pretty putting aside all those issues, just looking at the indictment yeah. itself. Uh, it's a pretty damning indictment. And uh, I think Andy said and Bill Barr concurred that uh, if even half of it's proven, he's toast. Uh, What do you think of the indictment on the merits?
2: Yeah. Put it this way, if it was anyone else other than a former president, I would be telling the defendant to go get a good plea bargain while you can. Uh, Usually people who are prosecuted for this kind of crime, right, taking classified information, Have a lot less evidence in the indictment. I mean, you've got pictures of the documents themselves in unsecure facilities. You've got apparently tape recordings of the defendant talking about how he's got the documents and how he knows they're not classified, how he knows they're still classified. I mean, this is the most damaging of evidence in a way, because you don't need to rely on witnesses' valuable memory. You don't have to worry about the witness you know, changing stories on the stand, you've got physical photographic proof or recorded proof. Uh, Trump himself talking about how he shouldn't have these documents, how he knows that they're classified and he's violating the law. Uh, so if this were anybody else, if there were no, none of these considerations about the presidency, about major party candidates in an election, the, the per, any other person who did this would be going to jail. And you know, look at the number of counts. There's another thing people don't realize. They keep saying, "Ah, oh, there's like 30 some counts," and they get 30 years. It's 20 to 30 years per count. I mean, you know, like, I it's like 300
0: years. Yeah,
2: you're talking about 900. Years, right? This is, this is a guy who could go to prison for the rest of his natural life.
0: Okay, so so damning indictment. He's indicted under the Espionage Act, and they specifically use the part of the Espionage Act that referred to willful retention. Right. But the Espionage Act itself doesn't rely just on willful retention. It says gross negligence. Right. And as I was reading the indictment, the first dozen pages, you could go line by line on some of it. And it applies just as equally to Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden as it does to Donald Trump in their cases. Do you but, agree? No, no, and, and can you take the part of the espionage act you like, the willful part, but ignore the part that says gross negligence, which apply to the others, which seems like a very political way to cover your ass and say, well, this is why I'm prosecuting Donald Trump, but I'm not, but we didn't prosecute Hillary Clinton and we didn't uh, prosecute Joe Biden, even though Hillary Clinton wiped 30,000 emails off and smashed no, cell phones. No, no. <laughs> the,
2: the, 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 this is the problem. I mean, Trump raises a good point. It just doesn't you know, you just doesn't get you into the courtroom. You can't show up in the courtroom and say, "I'm innocent because you didn't charge that other person over there." Right? The, the, laws, the, the, the prosecution is about whether Donald Trump is guilty. So this claim of selective prosecution it never works. But it's a good argument to make in the political sphere. I mean, you can say that all you want in the political sphere. Maybe it gets you charged, and maybe it's why his, you know, his support seems to go up every every time he inside indicted, which is why he's. Looks like he's made sure he's going to get indicted two or three more times before their caucuses. The main point, though, is if you compare this to Biden or Pence, not really the same thing because they fully cooperated with the government. They, in fact, you could say, particularly with Biden, he might have been reckless, but he cooperated. He didn't fight with the government about producing the papers. There's no claims of obstruction or lying to the government that you could bring against Pence and Biden. But I totally agree, Mark. The Hillary Clinton case is hard to distinguish. And the reason why is because I don't think Hillary Clinton was reckless. I think Hillary Clinton was intentional, right? So the whole reason she created this homebrewed server computer system to handle her email was deliberately to prevent government knowledge and regulation of those emails. I mean, that's the whole purpose of having a system like that is to evade the law. And then, so I don't see how it's reckless but either way, Mark, you're right. I mean, you can you can violate the statute through reckless behavior or you can violate the statute intentionally. But either way, you're violating the Espionage Act, which says you can't take classified information. Now, it's actually not even classified. It's called national defense information. Take it and put it in an unsecured place where you're not authorized to have it. I, I think, though, the deeper point here is I think people don't realize our law enforcement system prosecution relies... On the cooperation of the public. The public does not cooperate unless they believe in the integrity of our justice system. If people see a lot of prosecutions that look to them like they're driven by partisan political motives, they're not going to cooperate and our law enforcement system is not going to be able to work. And that could be the longer, the larger damage to our institutions from this whole sordid affair.
1: But of course, I mean, that has been the direction that we've been headed in for a long time, right? We're talking in in this case about presidents and politics, but we can go down to the, to the much lower level and talk about local prosecutors and local law enforcement not willing to ask people whether they have legal documentation to be in the country, not willing to prosecute misdemeanors, not willing to prosecute people who steal half a billion dollars worth of goods from Target, not willing to you prosecute people who are caught distributing drugs. So, you know, we already have a problem with respect for the rule of law in this country. You didn't need Trump or Hillary for that. Selective prosecution, belief that the system is about choices. You know, this is not to sound like a crackpot. I keep saying that now more frequently. No. This is this is what oh, George Soros... Old. This is what George Soros' agenda no, is all about.
2: You're such a crackpot, you sound like the medium voter in San Francisco who voted to kick out the Soros prosecutor, exactly. who's now going to be a colleague of mine at Berkeley.
1: Mazel
2: <laughs> 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 No, no, although I'm like, look, look, we're Berkeley again is doing a service for the nation because we're going to set aside a seat. we got a place for Alvin Bragg. we got a place for that guy Gascon in L.A. Send all those Soros prosecutors over to hang out at Berkeley and get them off the streets where they can't screw up any more cities.
1: Well, that that is a national service and we should thank them. <laughs>
0: and, I gotta, and you are doing a national service by putting up with them.
2: <laughs> well, I know Dan, but Danny's, question, Danny's point of question is a good one, is that this is uh, the reason why I think the Trump Hillary Clinton thing resonates with people is because of this background of already seen, right, inconsistency of prosecutions between, like, say, Black Lives Matter and then the disorder in the cities during covid and then the rise in crime we're seeing in a lot of our cities now that the, the, the trump thing i think it's not if it was a one-off this was and we were generally in a relatively safe period with low crime rates like we had before covid i i wouldn't be as worried and, and then think about also the things we're learning about the durham report the inspector general's report at doj these are all claims that the fbi and the justice department many of the former colleagues some of their friends were politically biased and drove them to, you know, turn this Russia hoax into investigation that people, you know, top officials at the FBI lied to federal investigators. So in this environment where already people are seeing selective prosecution, what worries me is that the difference in treatment of between Trump and Hillary very right, crystallizes in a very high profile way that prosecution law enforcement might be biased. And then if the public loses in faith in the integrity of our law enforcement prosecutors, then our system, our system can't function the way it does, I think, so effectively, but with such little police presence compared to like our friends in Europe or Asia, which I think is one of the glories of the American system is that we have so much voluntary compliance with the law, but we're starting to lose it now.
1: That's right. I took us down a, a slightly different rabbit hole because I don't want to leave the subject of of Donald Trump. None of this makes Donald Trump innocent. It just means that they probably should have prosecuted Hillary Clinton as well. You know, that's a complexity here. For me, I have to say, on the topic of of Trump and and the documents, the thing that really slammed the last nail in the coffin of I think his deniability on all of this was that transcript where he. Literally, is talking about classified war plans and how he could have declassified it if he were still president, but he's not president anymore. So it's clear he understands the rules, and he's still talking about classified information—highly, highly classified information—that he with somebody who had no security clearance. His loose disregard for the rules is something—it's stunning. I, I find
2: actually. Why Trump did this inexplicable? You know, Mark mentioned uh, Bill Barr. He said this. A lot of us in the conservative legal community have been asking this. Why didn't Trump just return the documents when the FBI asked for him? If he had cooperated and handed them all back, none of this would ever, we wouldn't even know. Never would have been a public matter. We wouldn't need to have a prosecution at all because, you know, the department did not prosecute Biden. Or your, Pence for having
1: done what? What do you think? Why the three of us we're roughly the same age?
2: Don't you know people who were in our parents' generation whose filing system is just throwing things in cardboard boxes and big piles? I, I know lots of people who do that. I think Trump's a hoarder. My filing system. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's his filing system. Right? And like you can add no
0: information in there. <laughs>
2: Well, what do we know about you, Mark? (laughs) Right? Like, you saw one of the boxes. I mean, one of the damning pieces of evidence, as I puts it, is the photographs and the transcripts. One of those boxes busted open, right? And it's like Trump's collecting newspaper clippings about himself as president, and he's got pictures of himself in there, and then the classified documents. He's just, like, throwing in these boxes all the stuff he wants to keep. He's never going to look through all of it. He just wants to have it. So I think it's that. Plus, he hates, after the whole Russia hoax experience, he hates the FBI and the Justice Department. He thinks they're out to get him. You know, he might have some justification with that. That's not grounds to defy a subpoena and try to hide documents from agents. But it explains, I think, why he did what he did. It doesn't make sense to me. And the thing about Trump, and this has, I think, been true for me for the last six years, I think a lot of people, is that even though he's outrageous and a lunatic, it's almost like if you believe in the institutions, you have to defend him because he he relies on the fact that these institutions of opt- like the presidency has been protected this way, that we haven't prosecuted former presidents to act this way, even though his underlying behavior is, has no justification.
0: But, you know, going on Danny's point about the lunacy, it's like he knows that. They, so I, I think two things can be true at the same time, which is that Donald Trump committed, arguably committed crimes here, that mishandling of classified information was egregious, and also that he's the victim of selective prosecution by a politicized justice system that's out to get him. Those things can both be true. But you would think that after having gone through the whole Mueller probe, right, and having come out of that and been vindicated that he didn't collude, that you would be careful after that not to give them a pretext to go after you.
1: Or try to suborn your own lawyers. Yeah, but
0: the, yeah. And then, but that literally yeah. the Mueller report comes out and the next day he calls Zelensky and says, investigate Hunter Biden and starts and gives them the pretext for the first impeachment. And then now here he gives them the pretext. It's like he's the most self-destructive person I've ever seen in public life.
2: He's like a gambler, isn't he? Letting the bet run. Right. <laughs> he's like, hey, I hit zero zero again. <laughs> I'll just keep the big pile on that number. I mean, that started with getting elected, right? Which is totally against the odds. And then he just kept, you know, kept the bet running. That, he reminds me completely of the uh, people I hang out in on the, you know, in the, cas- in the casino on the, you know, cruise ships I like to go on <laughs> late at night. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is a story we need to hear
1: at some point.
2: But uh, I mean, that kind of explains why he acts that way, but, Everything you're saying is right. I mean, in a funny way, the true answer, the true mistake actually was not prosecuting Hillary Clinton. And in that case, the Justice Department did not prosecute her because they thought it would affect the election and hand the victory to Donald Trump and depress Clinton's numbers, even though just announcing you weren't prosecuting her had that effect back in 2016. Now the Justice Department is overreacting in a way. They've they've taken the wrong lessons from 2016, they're going to say, oh, yeah, we should have prosecuted Hillary. So now we're going to prosecute Trump.
1: Well, but there's a little asterisk here that I think is important, which, well, at least some some people tend to forget, which is that during Trump's 2015 and 2016 campaign, what did everybody chant? at the Trump rallies yeah. lock her up and Trump and I don't I don't think I have them here but there were a series of quotes from Donald Trump at the time in my administration people will respect classified information Oh they have it in, in the my, indictment Right they quote a- him, and yeah. but I don't have the indictment yeah. right in front of me but uh, but you know having said those things that he remains so uh, it, Oblivious. Oblivious to his own hypocrisy, to his own stupidity, and to his own self-endangerment. You're right. He is like a riverboat gambler, but one who repeatedly loses.
2: Well, I, I, I think that's all true. So uh, for, from a former DOJ prosecution, prosecutorial perspective, the only thing I'll say is when we decide to prosecute someone, uh, the ultimate thing we have to think about is the public interest. So we look at a lot of factors like... How bad was the crime? Are you deterring people? So on. But the most important thing is, is it in the national interest? And the way I think we should think about it is: there's a difference. Look, the Justice Department could prosecute lots of people. Our prosecutors actually have no, don't have the resources to prosecute every person for every violation of every federal crime there is out there. So you have to prioritize and you have to ask, uh, it's not just about punishing the individual. Is this in the national interest? going forward that is actually the most important criterion for bringing a a prosecution against anybody in the federal system and that's what i think people are not really computing carefully is think about the incentives this prosecution puts on former presidents and particularly future presidents and also on major party candidates do we want think about what trump's going to do if you suppose trump wins He's going to turn the Justice Department on the Bidens. I have no doubt. I mean, you're to, This is this crossing of the Rubicon going to set off a cycle where every president goes under investigation. And I say this, you know, look, I, uh, you know, ethnically, I'm Korean. Although my parents took me over before I could talk, every president in Korea has been in jail. It's like being governor. I'm not sure what it's worth being president of Korea, a governor of Louisiana, but they all end up in jail.
0: So our friend Andy McCarthy said that if you tell yep. if you tell me you look the other way because Hillary Clinton got a pass, I respectfully suggest you've lost your way. You know, and that may be true from a legal perspective. I agree. If you just look at it, if you just look at it in the stovepipe of the legal indictment, it's it's, it's damning. It's pretty clear he did it. He committed crimes yes. and all the rest of it. But we can't look at it in, in that stovepipe. And the ultimate jury in this case is going to be, because there's an election coming up, it's going to be the American people. And... This is, you know, they're they're not looking at this in a vacuum. They are looking at it in the context of the fact that both Hillary and, and Joe Biden had classified documents and they don't care about the distinctions of, you know, the the Presidential Records Act. They look at it in the context of the of the Russia hoax and the whole Mueller report and everything that's going on. They look at it in the context of two impeachments to to, to try and take <laughs> them out. They look at it in in the context of the Bragg indictment. Uh okay. they look at it in the context of the, the suppression of the Hunter Biden. Laptop and the failure to fully investigate Hunter Biden and and all the rest of it, and I I just think that it's it's so destructive. People, it's underappreciated that he could get elected president yeah, because that, of this. Because right. of this.
1: Oh, well, I don't think that's underappreciated in the White House. I think the White House is yeah. desperate for for Biden to run against uh, to run against Trump. But that's exactly what I wanted to ask John. Let's just talk t- for a second. I mean, I didn't realize that if you were a felon, you could get a, uh, elected president until I realized this over dinner last night and we're, oh, yeah. we're researching this. But yeah, this... This
2: is, this is what they do at Danny's 60th birthday party, everybody. Exactly. They
1: look up obscure provisions of the Constitution. Exactly, <laughs> I love it. I, I love that. That's my favorite kind of birthday party. Exactly. So, but I mean, <laughs> explain to people, basically, none of this is disqualifying for Donald Trump, is it?
2: No. In no. fact, uh, the only way you could be disqualified would be having been found to be an insurrectionist. <laughs> so the only disqualification, the only way to disqualify someone who otherwise you know qualifies, you know, you have to be a citizen and born in the U.S. and a certain age is in the 14th Amendment. It says if you actually were found to be part of an insurrection or rebellion, you can be disqualified from running. But that classified documents ain't it. Maybe the January 6th, that could be it. But this is not it. So, yeah. You don't. You could be a felon. You could. You could be in jail. Actually, uh, there uh, there was a candidate, Eugene Debs, who was a candidate for the Socialist Party, and at the time of the election, he was actually in jail. Got. I think he got like a million votes. So you, there's nothing in the Constitution that says anything
0: about felons not running for the presidency or any other office. So, so theoretically, he could be convicted, run for president from jail, and then. Take the, oath, take the oath of office <laughs> from his jail cell. Write on a scrap of toilet paper in his jail cell. I pardon myself and hand it to the to the uh, guard, and they have to open the door and let him out. Right?
2: Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> now look, now look. This is this is actually you, you were making a serious point uh, earlier. This is the thing is, um, the American people will know. They're going to make their judgment. married It's in twenty twenty four election. Why not just put all that information out there, just like Durham put all his information out there, or even Mueller put all the information out there, and let the American people decide rather than a random jury in Miami about what the American people think about Trump. And I actually think that those two impeachments had an effect on the election in 2020, and the American people did have their say, and they said, we don't want this guy to come back as president. In fact, I always had this weird idea that the thing that would have been a killer political move would have been for Trump when he had won in 2016 to pardon Hillary. And I don't think it would be such a bad move for Biden to pardon Trump now. We were just talking such... about that
0: before the show. We were oh, really? Just Cause about yeah. this.
2: No way, because I haven't heard anyone say that. But would, yeah, we were thinking about writing this. So, actually. oh, my God, it would be such a deft political move because Trump would look, I mean, Biden would look like a statesman. Trump would look, you know, like he would look a little craven. right? And Trump, Biden could say, look, I really am healing, healing the country. But also the voters now all know the things that Donald Trump did. And let's have a fair, fair race. I think I think Biden would win
0: after that.
1: Mark and I are going to write that piece together. Could we have a reverse
0: Alexander Hamilton scenario where Donald Trump is convicted and he pardons himself, becomes president and then he's impeached? qualified from office for the third time this time he's been convicted in a court third
2: of law Third although this is the interesting thing we talked about this actually you guys don't remember i think we talked about this on the podcast during impeachments remember what the second impeachment is mm-hmm. um you have it has to be for something you do while you're in office oh So I don't Don't, think Mark's Mark's fantasy works there. Mark's, you know, Armageddon of media and politics coming together is going to work there.
1: Well, (laughs) Ah, don't worry, if Donald Donald Trump is (laughs) reelected, Donald Trump will, will do something that will get him impeached a third time. I have I have total confidence in the man. So let's let's all just play this out really quickly. Does this help Donald Trump win the not not in the primaries because I think they're actually, I'm sure it does because that's yeah. a real motivated base. And I think that's a, a little bit of the subtext, at least for the most political people in, in, in this administration that they definitely want to help him win the primaries. The question is, can he having gone through this and I, we see him convicted, right? As a, as a matter of process, John, mm-hmm. do you see him convicted? Mm-hmm. Yes.
2: So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, think unless the anybody else but Trump they would be convicted. Anybody else but Trump would be seeking a plea bargain. So he's such an X factor but I can't I can't think a jury isn't gonna convict it looking at all that evidence.
1: Exactly. So so he gets convicted. He wins the primaries. Do, do, do any of us. Well, think hold on. He but can I mean, win? does
0: he have a does he waive his right? a speedy no. trial or I mean, is this going to could. No, this,
2: no, no, no. I think actually be before look, or
0: after the election.
2: No, no. I think if you look at the timing of a regular case, uh, I think this is almost this is why Trump's gambling. I think this case, if he delays it within the bounds of what he can do, he's allowed to do. I think the trial proceedings start in by late spring, early summer, and the verdict comes down right before the conventions.
1: Do you think that this helps him win in the election in a general or not?
2: Go I got not. to think it doesn't. I got to think you know, being convicted of a federal crime and being found a felon, even though he'll have a right to appeal and he has some interesting grounds for appeal, go to the Supreme Court. I got, I got to think being convicted felon. Uh, loses you points <laughs> in, the, in the end don't you think <laughs> that's, a, that's a good statement about our democracy <laughs> I, I, you don't have to be a, a great political, going political out on a here. Here
1: to say that <laughs> right exactly so this is
2: and he already lost the majority vote last time before january 6 before he did this so how's he going to get more popular votes i don't see it
1: right exactly yeah. so this is this is at once a recipe for him to win the primaries and lose the general and and reinstall Uncle Joe, Grandpa Joe, at this point in so the should, White House.
0: So, shouldn't he then want to withdraw from the campaign and have somebody who can actually win become president so they can pardon
1: him? <laughs> Mark, <Yeah. what? laughs> Surely you jest.
0: I know. But I'm saying, you know, if, if Donald Trump functioned on logic, <laughs> it would be better yeah. to have somebody else run for the Republican nomination, win the presidency, and then pardon him.
1: No way. Not a chance. Hey, John, you have been, first of all, hilarious. Second of all, (laughs) thank you for defending me against Mark, who hates older women. Everybody out
2: there. (laughs) Okay, just week. one last point I forgot to make is that uh, sometimes we're talking about special counsel, Jack Smith, and so on. This is really under the Constitution, President Biden's decision to prosecute, too. He's ultimately responsible. Merrick Garland is only his assistant in carrying out his constitutional duty. So one last thing, we shouldn't make it seem... Although sometimes I talk about it that way, like there's a the department that administers neutral justice. Our Constitution subjects it to the control of our the people we elected to office. And that's Joe Biden's ultimately constitutionally and politically responsible for the prosecution. I'm sorry. I just didn't yeah, no, that's a valid that point.
0: We got rid of the independent counsel statute so, for exactly <laughs> for this reason. reason. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
2: for this reason. Yeah.
0: Yep. Well, Joe Biden was responsible and Joe Biden could end
1: it. Yeah, well, ending on that note of adult <laughs> seriousness, so unlike us. Thank you, John. As usual, you just you know it all. You're wonderful, and the analysis is spot on.
2: Thanks, guys. And once again, although Mark keeps saying it over and over again, I, this is only the
1: second time I'll say happy birthday. Thank you very, very much. I appreciate it a lot. Really. Bye. Bye.
0: All right, Danny. So we got a joint op-ed we're working on.
1: Okay, so, spoiler. I was thinking about this. Uh, I think John mentioned this, and I think he's totally right. The absolute smartest, the most statesmanlike, the most politically astute thing that Joe Biden could do right now is to pardon pardon Pardon. Donald (laughs) Trump. (laughs) I couldn't even get that out. Get the
0: the Australian accent.
1: (laughs) Is to pardon Donald Trump for a whole number of reasons, not because I don't want Donald Trump to go to the who's go, not because I don't want to see him in the the dock, because all of that would provide a certain amount of entertainment for all of us that we would, uh, you know, in some part of us probably uh, find interesting, but because the country shouldn't be put through this, because he would set a precedent that for once and for all, we are going to go back to the two words I mention all the time, regular order. We are actually going to behave not like a banana republic. We're going to behave like a proper country. I don't want to see the president of the United States prosecuted. He would say, what would Donald Trump do? Say, no, I don't want your pardon. Absolutely not. Donald Trump wouldn't do that and wouldn't say that because he'd love that pardon. It would be great for Biden. We would still all talk about Trump and it would be helpful to him. And I think it would cement for him a victory in 2024.
0: I don't know if I'd go that far. That would cement a victory for him, but I think it would be a very smart move. It would be a statesmanlike move. It would be the you know he promised to put it, his and it whole would help soul. It would put his whole soul into uniting the country. Um, and look, I think I think that's 100 percent correct. The chances of that happening slim to none.
1: I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I I I I have to say. If it was Joe Biden by himself, not surrounded by all these people, I don't think the chances would be slim at all. Because the old Joe Biden that that we know, I think, is a person who actually would think about this very seriously, even though he you know, doesn't really understand the law and all the Isn't rest the of that. Isn't the
0: old Joe Biden the one that's in the White House now? No, well, yeah,
1: the elderly <laughs> Joe Biden, but the younger <laughs> Joe Biden, I think, would be a person who would think about this because he'd cared a lot more uh, about comedy. He cared a lot more about the things that he talked about in his inaugural speech that we all believed in, I'm going to heal the country, as opposed to the naked, rank, vicious partisanship that we've seen from the White House that is around him that controls so much of what happens in this country.
0: Well, that would be the statesmanlike thing to do, um, but we haven't a lot of had a lot of statesmanship lately. Well, we'll see. Uh, but uh, we'll see. We're going to say happens. so. Maybe We're he'll We're going to make the case, and we'll see. he he listens to us. If 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 Joe Biden pardons uh, Donald Trump, it started here on this podcast.
1: There you go. <laughs> you heard it here first. That great idea. Anyway, we'd love to hear from you. Let us know what you think. Don't hesitate to share your comments. And Thanks. send
0: Danny your birthday wishes.
1: That's right. Don't don't forget to send me your birthday wishes. And presents. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, that would be wrong. But I'll give you my address later. Just DM me. Thanks. Bye, everybody. Take care.
0: Let us know what topics you'd like us to cover. You can get in touch with the show by emailing us at whatthehell at AEI.org.
1: Or you can reach us on Twitter. I'm at D Pletka. And I'm at Mark Thiessen. That's Mark with a C